Welcome, everybody, to the American Shoreline Podcast. My name is Peter Ravel. I'm the co-host of this show. And I'm the other co-host of the show, Tyler Buckingham. Man, it is 2019, Tyler. We've got a chance to think ahead. And uh, I thought today we'd dedicate a show to looking down the road and uh, seeing what might be coming up on the podcast. We are... It's 2019. Could we not be more excited for the year ahead for ASPN and Coastal News Today, CNT... This is going to be a fun little show, Pete. we got to talk about what we've got coming down the pipe. Absolutely. You know, uh, we've been at this business not a whole long time. I think the website started right around uh, the end of October, I think it was. That's right. At the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association Conference. And the Podcast Network, we started that, what, September 3rd? 3rd. Uh, Labor Day, I think it was. That's right, the Endless Summer Podcast. The Endless Summer Podcast, one of our you know more listened to shows, I have to say. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, if you if you haven't heard our New Year's Eve show, I I uh, put together a nice little list of of best segments from 2018, and uh, it was really cool going back and listening to all the shows that we put together uh, in 2018. Yeah, uh, and. We are just, we could not be more thrilled and, and grateful for our listeners and for all of our hosts out there that are, are really making some great content uh, along the American shoreline. Really, I know. Uh, what's amazing to me is we've put out 45 shows. We have thousands of listeners. Uh, the, what's, great, what's really interesting to me is to start to see the hosts and the new shows coming on to ASPN and uh, I thought we'd talk about that some today, Tyler. I think that is a great idea. Uh, let's talk a little bit what we've got coming up in 2019. But first, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Dune Doctors, a excellent, outstanding hub vendor, Dune Restoration Company out of Pensacola, Florida, led by the brilliant Frederic Barosette's superb work from permitting design through construction on shoreline projects. If you're in the business of managing property on the Gulf of Mexico or up the Atlantic seaboard, Dune Doctors is a great company to reach out to. Find Frederic and her team at dunedoctors.com. Dunedoctors.com. Yep. All right, Peter. Uh, we are now... It is it, today is the seventh of January. We are a week in twenty nineteen. <laughs> That's right. Great uh, first week. Great first week. I have to say it's been it's been a fun week. Uh, on ASPN, we had uh, Senator Carper's interview to ring in the new year. Yeah, uh, which is so totally awesome to have a U.S. senator on our little network. It was, you know, that was a Derek Brockbank show, the kickoff show for the Capitol Beach podcast. Uh, Derek is an expert up there in Washington, D.C. on federal policy. Uh, Senator Carper from Delaware, one of the leading voices on coastal issues in the U.S. Senate. He's the minority leader of the EPW committee. That's the Environment and Public Works Committee. Were the Democrats ever to uh, have a majority in the Senate, he'd be the chair of EPW. And let me tell you, that's a powerful committee when it comes to issues on the American shoreline. So uh, we really uh, were so happy to get that. And that's Derek Brockbank. And there's more going to be more great shows from Derek from Washington, D.C. We wanted to get our 29 first step, our first big step into the new year off to a off to the right start. And Derek with the Capitol Beach podcast. Senator Carper, great yeah. first step into the new year. Yeah. Uh, and we have other great shows planned coming up here, too. Uh, some some hosts you've already been introduced to uh, on this podcast. Other hosts uh, you will be introduced to shortly. Yeah, I, I tell you, uh, the the bank of talent that's starting to form around the American Troyline Podcast Network is really impressive. We have a couple. We have one new show to announce that is in uh, final preparation, and that is uh, Dr. Leslie Ewing, the senior coastal engineer for the state of California, long, long time coastal expert, uh, is going to start a, a podcast called Shore Words, uh, and it's a show that is dedicated to authors uh, who write about the American shoreline. She's got a great slate of guests already. Really impressive and looking forward to Leslie's uh, 
the debut of her show probably later this month, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, she. it seems like she's going to be hitting the ground running. She's got yeah. a list of about 10 people she's, she she's does. ready to get on her program. And, and, of course, before she launches her show, we'll have her on this show probably later this month. So mm-hmm. something to look forward to. Dr. Leslie Ewing will come on. She'll tell us all about the Shore Words podcast, yep. what her plans are for that show. But what a nice addition to the network to have the, these yeah. coastal authors. I mean, this is the literature that covers the shoreline. People that write books about the subject matters of the American shoreline are experts. They have to be in order to write the damn book. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, you know, nonfiction and fiction writers. Absolutely. You know, what is our relationship with the shoreline from the perspective of literature and art and also from philosophy? The science. Yes, yeah. science and philosophy. I mean, it's a great platform, and Leslie is... Uh, just a real pro and i think it's going to be a fantastic show for all you folks out there uh on aspn and uh that's right and and uh you know in addition to that one of the things that we've been saying uh this entire time we've been doing it since the uh kickoff show on labor day was that or excuse me was it memorial day labor it was labor day labor day the two yeah yeah. on labor day on On the endless summer podcast our initial show is that we wanted to cover kind of the full economic spectrum of the shoreline all these different clusters of economic activity and we just simply needed to cover the shipping ports waterways yeah. uh engine of economic activity and we have a great host a brand new show uh in bob frump covering shipping he's spent his career uh covering shipping writing about shipping and uh, working with the Journal of Commerce, I believe he was the editor. Is that Ma- right? Managing editor. Managing editor of the Journal Journal of Commerce. So he'll be coming online. Uh, yep. That's that's really going to offer a, a whole new module of content yeah. and understanding of how the economics of the shoreline work. I, I am so glad that we found Bob because it's it's hard to find. Uh, experienced, trained voices in the shipping and maritime industry who are available. Uh, to work uh, on something like the American Shoreline podcast. Bob has been around for decades. He was part of a Pulitzer Prize winning team at the Philadelphia Inquirer and covered ports and waterway issues for the Philadelphia paper, Uh, has written a couple of books on the maritime industry. Just what a great voice and uh, very excited to have Bob join the network. And I hope we get uh, Bob on ASP on our show for his interview here in January, if we can. And uh, his show should start in February, so more great content coming on the network. Yeah, uh, and of course, uh, we mentioned Derek's show earlier, um, Howard Marlowe. Yeah. Uh, and his team, the Waterlog Podcast, will be coming online uh, hopefully this month. Uh, of course, the government is shut down at present, or partially shut down at present. Yeah. So uh, we're we're discussing uh, what exactly we'll be talking about. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty. There's plenty. Uh, but uh, we are planning on uh, releasing that show uh, later this month, and we'll be doing that show monthly in 2019, which yeah. is a really great feature. We're starting to bring these shows out more regularly for you. Uh, we know that if you are interested in federal policy and you want to hear what Dan has to say about it, what Dan and Howard have to say about it there at the Waterlog podcast, we're going to be bringing that to you monthly in 2019. That's yeah. pretty sweet. So two DC shows, Derek Brockbank uh, with the Capitol Beach podcast, Howard Marlowe and Jan, uh, Dan Janolfi with the Waterlog podcast. I think that really covers the ground up there. A couple of real pros uh, bringing the word from DC out to the listeners. That's right. And, uh, you know, I'm anxiously awaiting i think robert jones and the catch curve podcast which is another show that i'm really looking forward to uh robert is about ready to kick off his show and i think we're going to do the first episode later in january yeah a busy month here if you if you haven't picked it up january is going to be an awesome month on aspn yeah we're going to have a cool show uh we covered a really fascinating uh, story in the houston chronicle last month in december yeah um about uh, new fish species migrating further up north, new the uh, mangroves finding their way up north where they traditionally weren't. And um, Shannon Tompkins yeah. uh, covered that for the Houston Chronicle. And he will be, being the, the dedicated outdoor reporter he is, he's going to be in Austin mm-hmm. for 
the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission meeting. Yeah, yeah. in January. In yeah. January. 23rd, I that's, think. That's right. And uh, we are going to convene a uh, show here with Robert Jones, The Catch Curve, Shannon. We're going to be talking all about that stuff. It should be great. It will be. And I tell you, I, and we did a, a pretty extensive discussion of Shannon's analysis and article about what's happening on the texas coast uh, shannon has been the outdoor writer for the chronicle for 30 years he was just inducted into the outdoor writers hall of fame or something to that effect and yeah. shannon if i got that wrong my apologies i think it's the freshwater the, the sport fishing is hall that fame. sport fishing hall yeah, of fame? as a writer i know there's hall of fame at, and but he's a he's a longtime observer uh on the texas coast and look here's what he pointed out uh uh, southern flounder populations and that some of the bays on the Texas coast have dropped by 70%. Uh, snook are being caught in northern uh, bay systems on the Texas coast for the first time ever. And uh, yeah, the uh, mangroves are migrating from the south north. It's changing the composition of the bay system habitat. It's, it's having an effect on the, uh, on the food chain. I mean, all of this stuff relates to temperature change. And having Shannon walk us through all of that as a guy who fishes and hunts the Texas coast, uh, and, and is observing it in real time, I think is going to be a really interesting show. And that's coming up later in January. It will be, it'd be great to have Robert Jones, uh, kicking off his show, uh, with Shannon. Can't wait for it. And of course, Peter, finally, we want to talk about yeah. Michael Poff's show, the podcast for building beaches better yeah michael poff professional coastal engineer uh leads a lot of uh let, let has led a lot of projects for shoreline management and shoreline restoration beach nourishment around the gulf uh is the lead uh, our lead uh coastal engineer on the network and uh we have settled on his podcast tile we the name of that show and uh he's a busy guy but uh is going to kick that show off probably in february so uh, it's a great opportunity for folks out there who are not intimately engaged in uh, coastal engineering and design to hear from a real professional president of coastal engineering consultants, Michael Poff, really going to be a great yeah, show. Well, and, and if you are, if you're a coastal engineer uh, working around the American shoreline, wherever you might be, Michael is a great uh, guide in talking about the issues that he's dealing with. He's He's a nuanced dude, and yeah. Uh, yeah. we were talking with him, I think, on our other show. You know, I think he had a bit of a law. He dabbled in law school, or his dad wanted him to go to law school. Then he, ended up, he, yeah. he fell in love with engineering, and yeah. um, just a, a, an interesting guy to, to, and guide uh, to, to host that show on Coastal Engineering. We know, we know that for, for, our, for our legacy uh, subscribers and people that remember Coastal News Today from from the old days, back when it was just an aggregator, there was certainly a strong engineering and science uh, focus. And rest assured, you guys, we are we we absolutely are bringing that to the table, and we're going to bring more of it to the table in 2019. Yeah, and it's it's going to be great content. Yeah, we're working on that coastal sciences show. We have it. We have a. We've got a host in line, and, and we've had some initial discussions, and I do think we're going to have a dedicated show on coastal science uh, and restoration. I think right. that's going to be really super. Um, some great upcoming episodes, Tyler. Yep, yep, yep. Um, this one is long awaited. Uh, later today, we're going to be recording this show, and it'll be dropped later in the week, I think. Yeah, this week? That's right. Uh, probably later this week. Certainly in the next couple weeks, uh, we will be doing our long-awaited uh, recording with Jack E. Davis, Davis, uh, author of The Gulf, an American... The, is it The Making of an American Sea? The yeah, The That's Gulf, right. The Making of an American Sea. That's right. Uh, wow, what a book. Uh, won the Pulitzer Prize, won the uh, other major book awards, about three or four. Uh, Jack Davis is a historian uh, from uh, Florida, and, you know, we, we all have been around, at least I have, you know, we live in Texas, so we've been in and around the Gulf and fished and go to the beach and all of that stuff. And, and you just sort of go, well, there it is, the Gulf of Mexico. But there is a deep, rich history of this uh, bo body of water, what it has been historically to the United States and to the Gulf states. 
but also the way we use it. And uh, Jack Davis's book is super good. Uh, if you go to Coastal News today, you can read a really good review of the book uh, written by uh, an author at the Dallas Morning News. But later in the week, hear from Jack uh, firsthand. I think it's going to be a really good show. He's joining Rob Nixon on the Next Swell podcast, and it's great to hear Rob back on the network and and looking to hear and hearing from uh, Jack Davis. Kicking off the new year with the Next Swell, Jack Davis should be a great show. I think that's going to be. I'm really looking forward to listening to that one. We already mentioned that we've got Shannon Tompkins coming up uh, later this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter. Local Control, what you got? Well, on the Local Control podcast, you know, the series of interviewing local elected officials contending with the complex issues on the American shoreline, I I really am looking forward to sitting down with folks from Virginia Beach, Virginia. We're in some initial discussions, and uh, they have some very innovative financial planning uh, uh, tools that they're using over there to maintain their shorelines. And uh, it was an eye-opener for me. In fact, it was from the ASBPA conference uh, where I learned firsthand what the funding models were for Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, I think uh, for the listeners out there in the local government community or on Barrier Island Beach towns in particular, hey, this is a show to catch because you'll learn some things you haven't thought of. They're very innovative and very successful in their approach. And so I'm looking forward to to bringing that forward on the Local Control podcast. And we're all looking forward to it too, Peter. Uh, Local Control is a killer show that Peter hosts. And uh, I should just say that on my show, The Beach Shack, I've got some great ideas. I kind of deviated from the real estate model there. That's good. Recently, but I was home for the holidays. I was able to record some shows from uh, Ventura County and Ventura, uh, California uh, with... Uh, Brian Brennan with it was on last Friday. We, that was a we, good show. Yeah, and and we talked about kind of this regional sediment management model and a and a, a managed retreat project there in Surfers Point, Ventura, a, an iconic beach. Um, I'm going to be doing more shows. Uh, really looking forward to 2019. Um, one okay, we got to talk about our climate change series here with this yeah. report that came out. This is one of the things that we've been kicking around here and we, we want to talk about on this show uh, today is that uh, we have some big plans. Some of the concepts and subject matter that we encounter on the American Shoreline, on this podcast network, uh, go beyond just a single episode. We, we really believe like we're going to need to uh, compile a series of shows to cover uh, mm-hmm. yeah. cover cover these subject areas. and. Climate change and the climate assessment um, are an area where we think we're going to need to just do a deeper dive there, maybe provide a few episodes. Yeah, to do it justice. I mean, everyone remembers here, this was the Friday after Thanksgiving when uh, the fourth National Climate Assessment Report was issued by the federal government, a report required by law, very extensive report and Look, everybody says 1,600 pages. Let's say it's a lot of material, but uh, subject matter, focus, a lot of different authors. Uh, It is an overwhelming issue on the American shoreline in all kinds of ways, Uh, something you can follow along on Coastal News today in in the news feed. But on the podcast network, I think we want to have a regular discussion of this topic as we go through the year. And we'd like to have a year-long series. We're talking to Dr. Jennifer Jacobs at the University of uh, New Hampshire. She is an author of uh, the lead author on one of the sections of the National Climate Assessment. So we're working on bringing together, you know, a deliberate series dedicated to the impacts of climate change on the environment, but also on the economy of the coast of the United States. And it's a subject that warrants significant time and attention. It's not a three-minute interview. Uh, there's a lot to learn and understand. Uh, so I'm re- re- we're still in the formative stages, but that's one of my highest priorities this year is to get a climate change uh, series done. And uh, I'm hoping we can persuade Dr. Jennifer Jacobs to co-host that show. Yeah. And, you know, this is we, for and, and again, I'm going to be thanking the listeners quite a bit. But, uh, you know, we get emails from from the listeners out there with hey, I've been working on this. You might find this interesting. You should check out this report that, that uh, we worked on. 
And we've we've been contacted by a number of these uh, authors, writers, people that participated in the climate assessment, different sections of it. We're working on reaching out and kind of following the tentacles. There, it was a big project, a lot of fingerprints yeah. on that on that assessment. Yeah. Um, but we it, it, we need to go deeper. It needs to be discussed. It's so the nuance, the the level of analysis that was yeah. made in the report is not just absolutely deserves more time. And, and we're going to do that. And it's a you know, it's an unavoidable and a major story on the American shoreline. Uh, we see it all over the place. And uh, yeah, good thread. Great series. Looking forward to it. And we'll keep you guys up to date from time to time as we put, bring that together. But I'm. I'm hoping that's starting in the first quarter of 2019. I, we're going to get it done if we're going to start producing it shortly. So as soon as we get our hosts figured out and figure out how we want to break it down, right. we're going to be putting that show into the hopper. It's a, it's a big topic, and it's not clear how, quite how to attack it, but uh, we'll figure it out. Let's, let's talk a little bit about CoastalNewsToday.com, Peter. Uh, yeah. The best coastal website in the world on the <laughs> Internet. Uh, Coastal News Today, you know, we started this enterprise of Coastal News Today with the podcast network, the American Shoreline Podcast Network on it, uh, with the idea of broadening the horizon, broadening the coastal community's understanding of how we are all interconnected with each other. Right. And uh, the original Coastal Coastal News Today website did not do that. Uh, It was a great site. It it offered a lot. It was extremely useful, but it did not do that. So we made some pretty serious adjustments. And mm-hmm. guys, get onto this website and tell your friend. We are so proud of it. It looks great. It works great. It's got it's, you. When you look at that website, just that homepage, you know what's going on in the shoreline. Two minutes or less, you can peruse that that homepage, and you know exactly what's going on from sea to shining sea. Yeah. It's a tremendous resource. It is a different kind of resource, but it will broaden your horizon. It'll uh, avail avail you to information that you might not otherwise be paying attention of, because as we've said time and time again, we tend to silo ourselves in our own, you know, little work area. And uh, this website is designed to de-silo you. That's right. So you- fasten your seatbelt and get on get on to coastalnewstoday.com. Well, it's an amazing site. I think it's good. We spend hours and hours on it every day. Uh, it's a compilation of news from really all over the United States, but also all over the world. Selected stories. Uh, there is enough of a, the stories are excerpted and put on the website so you can move through information very quickly. Uh, Tyler, I was checking it today. There's 994 stories on Coastal News Today right now uh, that we've put up in the first three months. There's broad coverage from subject matters from subject matter perspective and from different points of view from the advocacy community, the industry community, the real estate community. I mean, if you, if you work along the coast, it's important to stick your head up out of the silo you're in, take a look around, get a reading of the landscape and start to see the trends. And that's what coastal news today is designed to do. And it, it partners and marries very well with uh, the American shoreline podcast network is what we're trying to do is say, as a coastal citizen, uh, look, you've got to understand the, the context you are in, and that's what uh, we have as our mission at, at Coastal News Today and the uh, American Shoreline Podcast Network. And it's a new site, and, and you know, Peter and I, th- we're new to the media business, folks. <laughs> uh, this is brand new for us, so um, we are making site improvements uh, every day, just about. Um, adding new features, making the site function better for you. Um, and we're going to continue to do that in 2019. Yeah. Uh, we have, we call this site basically uh, version zero. <laughs> and, uh, 0.1. We're, right. Yeah, 0.1. And we're going to be uh, slowly but surely, we probably, not probably without much fanfare, but we will be making adjustments. And uh, we want to make sure that it's a website that's a, pleasure to use that is easy to use it's intuitive it's simple yep Um, but we also want it to be a resource for serious professionals and folks that work every day on the coast you can go there you know it's going to be quality you know it's going to be curated expertly which it is peter spends hours every day reading the news and making decisions as to 
what needs to be shown on the website, guys. This is a serious, serious tool uh, so that you know what's going on around the nation. And that's important. We yeah. we genuinely believe that that will make uh, the coast function better. Uh, we will learn from each other. And uh, that's what this is all about. It is. And Tyler, I think it, it kind of harkens back to the the initial discussion we had on that September 2nd podcast about what we were trying to do and why. And, uh, you know, we're trying to build a coastal community or recognize that there exists a coastal community out there and and try to work on consolidating it and understanding it and serving it. And that's what Coastal News Today and ASPN are all about. There is a community on the American shoreline, but we're all so fragmented. People in South Carolina don't think they've got a lot in common with people in 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 California, but they sure damn do. And when you start looking at what's happening in coastal communities around the American shoreline, you start to see these repeated patterns, different approaches to the same problems. And that coastal community is is the focus of Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, And it's really cool to see this community start to emerge. We've had thousands of listeners on ASPN. We have tens of thousands of visits on Coastal News Today a month. It's really starting to... It's growing. It's get some traction. And uh, and so we... And you know what, Tyler? I mean, it's, it, we do this... These services are offered without a fee. That's right. Uh, it's free to subscribe to Coastal News Today. It's free to subscribe to the American Shoreline Podcast Network. And I think that's the way to keep it. That's the way we want to keep it. We want to keep it accessible and open for everyone uh, to learn from and listen to. Um, it's a you know this is a platform for conversations and for ideas and um, so by by not having a paywall by keeping it open, we are ensuring that anybody that wants to come in and read and access and learn can can do so. Right. But we do want to talk a little bit about. Uh, the advertising opportunities that we have and that are growing and getting better and better and better. 2019 is going to be, I mean, it's really going to be our first full year in existence, but we are really excited for what we have to offer the coastal community in terms of sponsorships and advertisements. Yeah. The trick in, in, in our focus up till now has been on the content side of what is it that the community out there needs? How do we define it? How do we serve it? How do we build a network of podcast hosts that are, that can provide true insight and intelligence on the American shoreline that can help people do what they do on the American shoreline better. That has been 99% of what we think about every single day. Uh, The time has come for us to think about how do we sustain this effort and how do we keep it going? How do we make it better uh, and, and execute the improvements that we want to do in 2019? And the model that we're working on right now is is that we want our sponsors out there to be part of this effort. We want people to advertise and reach the, the coastal community through Coastal News Today and ASPN. And so we invite everybody out there who works and serves uh, on the American shoreline to think about Coastal News Today and ASPN as a way to reach the best readers, I think the, the most informed group of people in the United States gathered in this community. And it's a very strong community and uh, it's a great opportunity for folks out there who work and offer services on the shoreline to advertise with ASPN. It is. I mean, we take CNC. tremendous pride in our brand, in our the quality of work that we do. The network's getting bigger and better. The news site is getting better every day and bigger in terms of stories. Yeah. Peter? It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. And uh, we are continuing to look for partnerships with other great coastal companies, brands, tourism groups, you name it. Uh, this is a, we believe that this is a great place for you to be putting your advertisements to reach this community. Right. Uh, and reach out to us and let us know if you're interested and we can talk. We will make a deal with you. Well, yeah. Um, there's, it's a great opportunity. We're in our first year. And we're looking forward to uh, expanding our partnerships. Yeah. And I think because we're trying to approach and reveal, illuminate the problems, the challenges on the American shoreline, there are a lot of companies out there who work at trying to solve these problems, whether you're an engineering firm or a maritime company or a shipping interest, or if you're in the real estate side of it or in the tourism development side of it, 
Look, it's important to know the landscape that you're operating in. That's what we try to provide. And we bring together this great coastal community that you can talk to as a business or as a local government, like a convention and visitor bureau, uh, reaching out to perspective uh, clients, perspective conferences to be hosted on the shoreline. ASPN and CNT are perfect for that because we draw a very high level and, and very intense uh, public uh, and private sector audience to the network and to CNT. You couldn't have a better selection. Uh, so, look, I hope you can you guys out there can can take advantage of the opportunity. Join us. Be part of the Coastal News Today community. Be part of ASPN. Look for the opportunities on the website. There's advertising and sponsorship opportunities. Give us a call. We'll work with you and put together something to meet your needs as a public or private sector entity on the American shoreline. Let's just take a quick word, conveniently right there, to thank one of our early sponsors, TI Coastal Services. Yeah, and this is a great example. Chris Gibson at TI Coastal Services is an early adopter and supporter and sponsor of Coastal News Today. TI Coastal Services in Wilmington, North Carolina, one of the great boutique-focused engineering companies that has very successfully implemented shoreline strategies up and down the eastern seaboard, smart, cost-conscious, great company, TI Coastal Services. You can find them at ticoastal.com. So we wanted to take a quick moment here in our second segment and talk about some of the top stories on the greatest coastal website in the world, <laughs> coastalnewstoday.com, Peter. Uh, <clears throat> let's see here. We're gonna, we've categorized these in, in, in our categories of coverage. So we're going to talk about uh, federal stories. We're going to talk about uh, some sea level rise stories you've seen, Peter, some fisheries stuff. Uh, so let's just dive right in. Yeah, and I think, uh, Tyler, we, you know, as I said, 995 stories on Coastal News today right now and growing. Uh, we, we This is by no means covering all of the categories that uh, we consolidate news on uh, on CNT, but on the federal side, I've been uh, really interested. We track what's going on in the federal government. And as we've mentioned, we've got a couple of uh, podcasts dedicated to federal policy on the shoreline. But a couple of stories that jumped out at me in the last couple of weeks. Uh, there is a really great article on the website right now about the federal flood insurance program, uh, the condition of it financially and what the potential fixes are. So for those of you involved in property management or local government, uh, this is a great time to get your head around what's going on at FEMA and in the federal flood insurance program. Uh, we're in the off season, uh, no storms right now. Good time to get your head around what's going on with federal flood insurance. Good story on Coastal News Today right now. Indeed. And uh, I want to just... I've sure that's really good but i just cannot help but see the next story peter because this one's funny well it's interesting uh you know in january 1st uh barry myers uh from accuweather was the ceo of accuweather has become the uh the now the leader of of noaa the national oceanic and atmospheric administration uh this is a a, a switch, of course, of the leadership of NOAA. NOAA is currently closed down right now. They're part of the partial government shutdown. So if you go to the NOAA website, you won't get to read about who Barry Myers is, but you can read about who Barry Myers is on Coastal News Today. So take a, take, take a quick trip over to Coastal News Today, become a subscriber, and find out who the head of NOAA is because he's going to control a lot of money and a lot of policy and take care of a lot of things that will affect your business and your interest on the American shoreline. Yeah, and uh, back in 2018, we had the director of the National Hurricane Center on, which is a NOAA uh, yeah. center. Yep. And uh, NOAA is extremely important uh, for research and work on the American shoreline. Um, and so uh, it's very interesting to see who new, the new leadership is. Yeah, what sort of policies and direction uh, Barry might be taking uh, the administration? Well, I tell you, one of the underlying themes and discussions uh, that you hear uh, about Barry Myers, and I'd love to have him on uh, 
on ASP. I'd love to sit down with him and have him walk us through his agenda for NOAA. But his past connections with AccuWeather have raised concerns about the privatization of the National Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center. There are many people who believe that the private sector uh, can do the job of uh, tracking weather and informing the public as well or better than the public sector. Uh, my personal take is that is not true, that the assets available to the federal government and the work that they do is absolutely essential and superbly handled. Uh, I don't know what, uh, what Barry Meyer's view on that topic is, but if we could have him on the American Shoreline podcast, I sure would like to, to listen in and find out what, uh, what he thinks about where the agency is going. Um, and they do. I mean, the next uh, item on our list here is that uh, the shutdown has, has uh, grounded the research ships that are out there conducting uh, yeah. maintenance on the buoys and going out and actually charting uncharted, unsounded depths of the ocean. Yeah. Um, doing essential scientific research to help us manage our oceans and shorelines. Right. Uh, so, you know, even though this is a partial government shutdown, it might not fe feel as impactful for those of us who are not inside the Beltway necessarily. Uh, for for those people, for those scientists in our coastal community who yeah. work with NOAA, Huge. and that would include contractors too, Right. Uh, this shutdown is certainly affecting yeah, them, and, and we would... Huge. We, we certainly think of them during this time. Yeah, I mean, really, the, the NOAA research vessels that operate uh, are critical assets in the scientific community uh, worldwide, really. And the years of planning that go into preparing for a cruise, lining up the assets, getting the funding, getting the ship time, all of the things that scientists do, these things are not turned on and off like a switch. It takes years of effort to put together a scientific research cruise. And all of those boats are sitting idle right now and will until the shutdown is over. Uh, we have uh, try to track what's happening on the research cruise uh, circuit on Coastal News today. There's several stories, but, uh, you know, I, I think we forget sometimes, Tyler, that uh, in big and small ways, the federal government does a lot of good, and it does a lot of good on the American shoreline. And this, uh, this shutdown right now, because it affects the Department of Commerce and therefore NOAA, uh, is making a difference. Go read about it on coastalnewstoday.com. Another yeah. great story. <laughs> Uh, federal coverage, the last thing I wanted to highlight and, uh, is that right now uh, the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works is seeking public comment on the Water Resources Development Act implementation. That comment period closes a little bit more than a month from now. It closes on February 12th. So for those of you in the engineering community or local governments that rely on federal water resources spending this is a good time to take a look at what's going on with the new WERDA bill that was passed in the fall. Uh, it is public comment period right now on WERDA. Look it up. It's on Coastal News today. You'll find the link. Uh, but obviously through the uh, Corps of Engineers website, you can find what you need to know to participate in that process regarding WERDA implementation. Take a look. You'll find it on Coastal News today. Elsewhere on CoastalNewsToday.com, we have some stories involving sea level rise peter uh this is kind of an interesting one so two two things that we've been kind of kicking around talking about our website and how to improve it and make it uh easier to use for for all you is uh we do not currently have a sea level rise category no um a section in our digital newspaper you might say yeah um, nor do we have a hurricane or weather category no we we we're kind of tucking these into uh, the other kind of industrial clusters right. that you see along the top of the site there. Um, but there's no doubt about it. We are seeing, and Peter goes through and reads the news every day. <laughs> so when trends emerge, uh, he sees them and we talk about them and, and we kind of chat about, oh my goodness, you know, we're just seeing a proliferation of stories involving right. sea level rise and climate change. Right. Boy, is that true. We have a couple of stories involving sea level well, rise right now on the site. We do, and I think uh, when you start to look at the bits and pieces of uh, coverages from local newspapers around the American shoreline, you start to see what is going on in Norfolk, Virginia. What are they doing in South Carolina? What are they doing in uh, 
North Carolina on sea level rise? Because at the local level, this isn't a philosophical debate. These are physical things. Their local governments are having to decide what to do. The marina operators and the port operators are physically responding. And what I noticed in the sea level rise, I picked out three just to highlight in this discussion about how communities are starting to respond to the reality, okay, of the actual event. And this Norfolk group, I mean, here's one response. Uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, there's a guy who's trying to design amphibious houses. He's like, all right, the water's rising. I'm going to create a way to build houses that float uh, in our amphibious uh, option A. Uh, over in Folly Beach in North Carolina, they're starting to tighten up regulations on uh, coastal development in response to erosion changes. And the, and, the, and the North Carolina Coastal Resources Commission just adopted a bunch of rule changes regarding temporary sandbags or geotextile tubes, uh, which have been authorized in North Carolina. They're authorized in Florida, too, as a temporary emergency measure. Well, the reality is, is once these things hit the ground and the structures remain at risk, they get beefier and bigger and they're permanent. And I think everybody knows, even though the rule says, look, we can let this in as a temporary measure, that once that risk is being addressed, uh, there's almost no way the government can tell these people to pull out whatever meager protection these things provide. Uh, so tracking that response to sea level rise, and the and this is just a smattering of ways communities are contending with this problem. And uh, one of the reasons I like to, to to pick up these nuggets from around the American shoreline and bring them to the readers is you can start to get a feel for what are the options out there and what's being tried and what's working and what isn't. Totally. Yeah. So that's just a interesting sort of. Uh, you know, little spectrum. Yeah, a little, a little jaunt across uh, the American shoreline to see what's going on with regard to sea level rise. And uh, we will continue to cover this. It is fascinating to see how when you go from Hawaii to California <clears throat> to Florida, the Texas coast, around the American shoreline, communities are planning and, man and, uh, and attempting to manage right. these uh, sea level rise and climate change in different ways. A lot of it has to do with kind of cultural differences, use differences. Yeah, legal um, differences. Legal differences. You know, communities that are accustomed to really, you know, kind of industrial shorelines um, seem to be uh, pursuing hardened, more hardened infrastructure. Yeah. But we are seeing, you know, there's as the, the issue of protecting private property from, you know, using armament is going to just increase and increase and increase. And it is it was a major issue in the Florida gubernatorial uh, Indeed. Uh, uh, election. And it's going to this is going to continue to grow. and We're going to continue to follow it on CoastalNewsToday.com. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind when you're describing what's happening is, you know, this is not a hoax. Water in your store, water in the streets of Miami, walking through downtown Miami at a king tide. Uh, with water up to your ankles is not a hoax. Uh, this is real stuff. And the other thing I think is fascinating, what I'm trying to keep an eye on on Coastal News today, is what's happening in property values. Uh, a great study from Harvard that we highlighted on the site, recent study on gentrification in Miami, uh, other uh, studies that have been undertaking in the real estate industry showing that the, the value of property along the immediately adjacent to the shoreline in low-lying areas is dropping. There was a good study out of South Carolina that showed how the real estate market is starting to be affected by rising sea levels. L slightly lower property values uh, in higher hazard areas. And in Miami, major real estate investment groups are going into the interior parts of Miami that are at higher elevation. And there's a significant gentrification going on in Miami where they're buying out essentially the old inner city Haitian neighborhoods because they're higher up and further away from the water. And the value of that property is now based on elevation. I mean, it's very are, interesting. It's, there's huge, huge implications for what's going on. And it's not, this isn't projection. One thing I, I want to, you know, focus on here is to look at what cities are actually doing in response to the actual effects they're experiencing. Not totally. as, it's not a hypothetical discussion. It's not. And, you know, <clears throat> these planning uh, processes to take action and to come up with a management plan take years and years and years to do. So if you are working on one, if you if this is something that is that you 
that impacts you in your work, uh, check out coastalnewstoday.com. Read these stories. You'll find them very insightful and helpful. Right. You can also go check out my Brian Brennan interview where we talk about this managed retreat project mm-hmm. in Ventura. We will. This will be a continuing conversation, but... You know, what we get into is in that show, it has to do with the multi jurisdictional element of that space. Uh, you've got uh, state owned property right there, you've got city owned property. Uh, who's going to pay for pulling out and, and actually allowing the shoreline to naturally receive? I can tell you, I was just there. It's a beautiful project, it's working very well. This could be the type of project yeah. that you might want to go and see. Go out there and visit with Brian Brennan. Check it out. It might be a model that could work for you. So just you know, keep keep the dashboard uh, up and and keep your eye on it. You might you might learn something on CoastalNewsToday.com. Indeed, and uh, similarly, Tyler, that the fisheries section of Coastal News Today uh, is important and. Uh, teaches you a lot of things about the transitions that are happening on the American shoreline. And look, let me just pause and make the case. You might be a coastal engineer or a port operator, or you might be in the travel and tourism industry, and you think, well, gee whiz, what do I care what's going on in the fisheries on the American shoreline? There, Because fisheries are such a critical economic part of almost every coastal community to some degree or the other, whether it's recreational, commercial, Uh, understanding what's happening in your community and communities around the country and communities that are getting impacted first is is something that if you slow down a bit and you say, you know what, this isn't what I think about every day. What's going on in this industry that is right up the road from me if you're in Galveston Bay and you're, you know, working at the convention center, but over on the backside is the shrimping fleet or in Palacios, Texas, where the shrimping fleet is really undergoing a lot of change right now. So in the fisheries stories that are on Coastal News Today, and the reason that I, I, I focus on this, and again, there's a podcast that goes with this subject matter. Uh, you know, I, was, I, was, I posted a story uh, last night that they are opening a shrimp farm in South Dakota. There's also some opening in Minnesota. I mean, aquaculture is a huge deal. If you would have told us that we'd be covering a <laughs> South Dakota shrimp hatch, yeah. you know, on Who the American knew? Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com, uh, four months ago, five months ago, we would have we would have no, said I, you must be kidding. You, you gotta you gotta see what's happening. That's these in these the aquaculture industry is a very complicated one. There's a lot yeah. of environmental implications. It's a discussion worldwide. There are major investors internationally and in America on aquaculture. We try to cover that industry on Coastal. You News got today. five stories here. Yeah, uh, that kind of span the fishery universe. Yeah. Uh, we got we got the uh, shrimp stuff in South Dakota. Yeah, what else we got, Peter? Well, the clam industry on in the upper northeast part of the United States uh, is really undergoing a transformation because of climate change. Again, it's the it has to do with the uh, the location of these of this fishery is starting to change. It's affecting the community. Uh, the uh, Fisheries Management Council's just made a major ruling uh, limiting the clam fishery on the northeast part of the United States because of climate change. And there's a major debate, as always, between the commercial operators and the public about the clam fishery. But you think these things are just sort of esoteric, but they're not. This is going to change what, how much gas is sold at the dock, what happens at the stores, how much the economy of these fishing communities is impacted and you can follow that kind of trend uh, on the American shoreline. That's um, right. I, the next one, and this... <laughs> this went viral. This, I saw this on Facebook. Yeah. Did this go viral? I mean, big time. I go mean, ahead. Tell me. You know, I, a, a, a tuna, a bluefin tuna, yeah. was sold at auction in Japan for $3.1 million. It was indeed. Uh, which speaks to a number of things. Um one being, uh, this happens about every year. Uh, right. there's, a, there's a big auction. Uh, these fish are highly prized, obviously. It's for it's, sushi. It's for sushi. It's, it, they're, they're for eating. Uh, bluefin tuna is a delicious pelagic fish. Indeed it is. Uh, but uh, when you, if you think about that kind of value right. for a fish and you think about how 
uh, poachers and yeah. how to regulate that in international waters. It, that's it, the implication. That is the, I think that's the important thing to take home. It is, because if a single fish is worth $3.1 million, and that is an extraordinary price, and the guy who bought it is a, is a known, he's called, he's a sushi tycoon, and it's part of his marketing every year is to go to the auction and buy the best fish and pay an enormous amount of money. But these fish are regularly sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. In other words, the entire income of a fisherman can be made on a single fish. Now, you have to ask yourself, what chances do the fish have? If they're worth 100000 a pop, how can you regulate that economic pressure? It's very challenging on pelagic fish that are international. Uh, I, and, and I think it's, that's the implication is what does this mean for the management of wild stocks of fish? around the world and obviously this is the marquee example the bluefin tuna and that kind of brings us to your next uh your next point here peter uh about bluefin tuna uh surging in uk waters yeah uh you know bluefin is a rare fish but the range of this fish just like the range of clams just like the snook moving along the texas coast i mean uh shrimp shrimping licenses now in virginia i mean the the What's amazing about the fisheries is the immediate evidence of the transformation of of fish stocks in response to climate change and water temperature changes. And yeah, that that there are they are catching bluefin tuna off of the UK. They haven't done that for decades uh, because the water temperatures don't support this fish, and they do now. And it's just another example of how is this climate change going to affect communities it affects the environment but it's going to affect these fishery communities from the people who live and work in the town to the tax basis of these towns the economic health of these communities is all going to be affected and it's all over the place i see it all around the world it could mean that when you go to london you go to the chippy <laughs> instead of getting cod you're going to get a tuna that's yeah. good that could be what it means it can raise the price <laughs> but more seriously what it means is that uh our, re- our fisheries that are regulated at kind of a, a some sort of understanding of where the fish are, when they show up, mm-hmm. we monitor them. The, it, these things are changing very rapidly. And the question before us is, can we modify our management scheme so that yeah. these renewable resources <clears throat> can be sustained? Indeed. And that's, that's what we're really keeping an eye on in our fisheries universe and, of course, we're going to be having a great conversation about this later this month on the podcast network. Yeah, we will when we get Shannon Tompkins on the line. And uh, Robert Jones has pointed out to us individually that, and he works very hard in the in the Fisheries Management Council process for the Gulf of Mexico, but one of the challenges for the Fisheries Management Councils, these are the federal entities that regulate fisheries in federal waters. There's one for the entire American shoreline. Uh, well, several, the Atlantic, the, the Gulf Fisheries Management, right. the West Coast, all of that. And the regulatory schemes they have designed are a little behind the curve. As new fish stocks move into the area, they don't have catch limits in place because right. these fish have historically not been present. And not a game fish. Not it's, a not, game. it's not a regulated fish species. Yeah, not right? a... So I think what happens in the governmental regulatory environment in response to climate change is also something to follow and which we will be doing on coastal news today. So become a subscriber and keep track of this particular very interesting segment of the coastal economy of the United States and the world. The final category here is advocacy, which uh, we give quite a bit of time to. It's really important. Um, As we all know, anybody that's ever tried to do a project on the coast knows that you're going to bump into uh, people who really care about the dune system, about turtle nesting, about plovers, about you name it. There are, there's a whole suite of coastal advocates that love the shoreline, love the oceans, mm-hmm. love the dune systems, and uh, are going to fight for those things. And it behooves all of us to understand uh, how those advocacy organizations and individuals work, what they're fighting for, yeah. where there are, where there are opportunities for partnership to get things done, and and uh, Peter, you've highlighted some beach access coverage here, which is a, a, always a constant on the American shoreline. Yeah. We always want to get be able to get to the beach 
and uh, can get a little prickly when you start looking at private property. It does indeed. Advocacy is a bigger topic than coastal advocacy, of course, but I wanted to pick out a few of those. And I'll only say this, is, again, is where we've got a complimentary podcast. This is Jenna Valente's Sea Change podcast, which covers the coastal advocacy community. And again, the theory here, the thinking, and what we believe is absolutely true, is if you're in another industry, it's important that you understand the perspective of the advocates who participate in the government permitting systems that control your business, whether you're in real estate or waterway management or ports or fisheries, there are people who are organized and think too. You know them all. I mean, you've heard of them, right? But you need to get into the mindset of these folks and, and understand this community. And I think it's a fascinating community to, to, really to try to understand. And Jen is an incredibly great guide into that community. But uh, beach access, as you said, is a constant issue in every coastal community I have ever been in. There is a, there is a knockdown drag out fight between the private rights of upland owners and the public rights to access. All of the states have a variety of different ways of tackling that problem. And it's something I pay attention to and pull into Coastal News today. Uh, there's a group of condo owners in Perdido Key. This is in Escambia County who just went to court over beach access. In Reddington Beach, there's a couple that has sued over beach access. In California, the California Coastal Commission just and Surfrider just uh, prevailed in a court case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. We had the, well, Rob Nixon had the attorney, the lead attorney for Surfrider on to talk about that case. Uh, what I think is interesting, again, isn't just, gee whiz, we know that's happening, but is to, is to spend a little time to keep up with how the discussions are going and what techniques are being utilized in communities around the country. You may be the shoreline manager for Galveston or uh, someplace in California, but looking at how access issues are resolved in other parts of the United States can open your eyes to different perspectives and different approaches and different techniques. And so we try to compile all of those stories in the advocacy community on access, but also on the environmental advocacy front too, where resource management decisions are made, whether they're fisheries or wetlands and that kind of thing. So advocacy is a huge part of it. Uh, it's great that we have, what I love is that we try to marry all of these subject areas with dedicated, smart podcast hosts who can you know, really put a spark into the discussion and help you understand what the hell is going on in this stuff. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm looking forward to Bob Trump's podcast. <laughs> that's why I'm looking forward to Leslie Ewing's podcast is just the fact to have a more comprehensive sense of what's going on along the shoreline, I think is just uh, worthwhile for anybody who's trying to make a living down near the water. It is. I mean, 2019 promises to, to uh, bring forth a whole lot of advocacy stories a whole lot of shipping stories across the entire spectrum i could go on and on engineering we've got the coastal spine here in galveston this well there will be a lot of news to cover here in 2019 we again thank you for listening to this to our shows to this podcast to all of the other uh, shows on the american shoreline podcast network <clears throat> uh 2019 is going to be awesome. We're going to give it our all again. We always do. Uh, and uh, we want you to yeah. do business with us, advertise <laughs> with us. Uh, let's let's team up and, and yeah. make this thing happen. Become a supporter. Become a sustainer. Uh, use the our community network as your community network. Speak to the people we're speaking to. It's a great opportunity. Uh, we want to thank Dune Doctors, TI Coastal Services, and LJA Engineering, our current sponsors on the American Shoreline Podcast and Coastal News Today. And uh, Tyler, it's going to be a banging 2019, and uh, we got a lot to do. So uh, like you, I join, join in thanking uh, our listeners, our thousands of listeners already, the tens of thousands of people who are coming to the website every month. Don't forget, subscribe to Coastal News today on the website. Subscribe to the American Shoreline podcast on Apple Pods, Google Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, the network's getting bigger and better, and uh, we're so happy to have you guys as listeners and supporters. Thanks a lot. Get my car going too 
far, never coming back again. 